Beloved congregation of the Lord Jesus Christ, here we are at the end of the year 2022. And as you look back on this past year, imagine for a moment that you had to describe it in, uh, using just one word. If you had to do that, what word would you choose to, to describe the past year? I think we would hear any number of words used among us, maybe words such as uh, busy, good, difficult, uh, mediocre, uh, productive, maybe stressful for some of us, perhaps sad for others, positive for some of you, maybe even romantic. Now, this evening, I want to extend this thought process a little bit further. Imagine for a moment you are not just at the last day of a year, but the last day of your life here on earth. And on your last day, you look back at your life and you take stock of everything. How would you describe the life you lived in this world? What kind of goals did you have in life? What kind of attitude did you carry day by day? What dominated your focus year after year as you lived this life? You know, in some ways, it's good for us to live life backwards, in a sense. What do I mean by that? Live life backwards? Well, think about your last day on earth. Imagine you're there. And then imagine the life you want to see as you look back. And when I say imagine the life you want to see, I'm not talking about what career you'll have or how much money you'll make or things like that. But rather, I'm thinking about things like these. By the power of the Spirit, no matter what situation we are in, we can make it our aim every day to live for the glory of God. We could aim to focus on the kingdom of God, make that our focus in this life. You know, in our text this evening from Luke 2, we see two older believers near the end of their lives. There's Simeon and there's Anna. What do we see in them? We see certainly two people who lived with a focus on the kingdom of God. They were near the end of their life, but as they looked back, they could say, yes, that was my focus in life. And that type of life is surely the best life lived. And that type of life is one worth aiming for also as we enter into a new year, the year 2023. So that brings us to the sermon theme, live every year with a kingdom focus. We'll see along with that theme that we focus on, first of all, salvation from the king, And secondly, service to the king. Beloved, in some ways, perhaps the introduction I just gave, it might leave you a little bit discouraged. After all, as you look back on this past year, and as you look back on your life so far, maybe you don't like what you see. Maybe you see one giant struggle. Maybe all you can see are your failures and your sins. In some ways, we might get that same feeling heightened somewhat as we 
read our text. Listen to what Luke 2 says about Simeon. There was a man in Jerusalem whose name was Simeon. This man was righteous and devout. and described his character. It's clear that he's a man that was filled with the Holy Spirit. And then there's the prophetess Anna. She had been a widow for many years, and it says, She did not depart from the temple, worshiping God with fasting and prayer night and day. And with those descriptions, maybe you think to yourself, well, I'm never going to live up to that standard. But you know what? In some ways, that reaction is good. We will never live with a kingdom focus by doing the comparison game. We're not just trying to outdo each other. We're trying to match someone else's zeal for God. The focus isn't really on the Lord. It's on others and on ourselves. Furthermore, the descriptions of Anna and Simeon here do not mean they were without sin in their lives. Instead, the text also makes clear that these two senior believers knew where their salvation was from. And it was from the Lord. About Simeon, it says he was waiting for the consolation of Israel. As I'll explain in in a moment, this term describes God's salvation for his people. And Simeon himself says to God, Lord, now you are letting your servant depart in peace, for my eyes have seen your salvation. He knew he needed saving. And he looked to the Lord. And Anna, too, after seeing the baby Jesus, began to speak about him to all who were waiting for the redemption of Jerusalem, another uh, salvation term. Same goes for another person in our text, Mary, the, the mother of our Lord. She sang in her song of praise, My soul rejoices in God, my Savior. She needed saving from her sins, too. What does this mean for us? It means living every day with a kingdom focus. It means focusing, first of all, on salvation from the king. See, at the end of another year, and when we come to the end of our lives, everyone is going to look back and we will indeed see sin there. None of us have the moral perfection needed to overcome death and rise by our own strength and righteousness, far from it. Verse 25 says, Simeon was looking for the consolation of Israel. What does that mean? Well, the word consolation here can be translated as comfort, the comfort of Israel. And some Old Testament passages particularly from Isaiah, they help us to understand these words. Think of that well-known passage in Isaiah 40. Comfort, comfort my people, says your God. Speak tenderly to Jerusalem and cry to her that her warfare is ended, that her guilt has been taken away, and she has received from the Lord's hand double for all her sins. This is a consolation of Israel that a Simeon was waiting for. Our guilt removed by the work of the Savior. 
Or listen to God's word in Isaiah 49, the Lord has comforted his people and will have compassion on his afflicted. But Zion said, the Lord has forsaken me, my Lord has forgotten me. Can a woman forget her nursing child that she would have no compassion on the son of her womb? Even these may forget, yet I will not forget you. And so this is what also dominated Simeon's focuses, a focus, the promises of God for salvation. He knew he needed salvation, and so he sought it from the Lord and trusted that God would bring it. And when he saw the baby Jesus, he knew that the Lord's salvation had finally come, and that's what gave him peace. That's what gave him great peace, seeing his Savior. His only comfort in life and in death was found in the baby Jesus, the Savior of the world, and may that give us peace too. Focusing on him, focusing on his saving work. And the wonderful thing is that we can see this saving work even from this text from Luke 2. I want to point out the emphasis at the beginning of our text. It keeps pointing us to the fulfillment of God's law, how Mary and Joseph did all these things according to God's law, also with uh, the baby Jesus. Verse 21, eight days after Jesus was born, he was circumcised according to the law. Verses 22 to 24, when the time came for their purification according to the law of Moses... They brought Jesus up to Jerusalem to present him to the Lord, as it is written in the law of the Lord. Every male who first opens a womb shall be called holy to the Lord. And to offer sacrifice according to what is said in the law of the Lord, a pair of turtle, turtle doves or two young pigeons. Again, the law of the Lord, fulfilled, fulfilled, fulfilled. And the main purpose of giving all these details is to show us something of God's saving work in Jesus Christ. For the Lord Jesus had to go through these things in order to save us. He came to fulfill the law of God, to live the life we could not live. And this had to start right from the very beginning of his life, and here we see it being fulfilled. If he was going to pay for our sins at the end of his life, he had to fulfill the law right from the beginning of his life, and that is what he did. And that also works for our salvation. Listen to how this is, this is described for us in Galatians 4, verses 4 and 5. When the fullness of time had come, God sent forth his Son, born of a woman, born under the law, to redeem those who were under the law so that we might receive adoption as sons. Right? Those born under the law, which we are all by nature, need to fulfill the law completely to avoid its curse. The problem is none of us can do that. But there is one who has, the Lord Jesus Christ he was born under the law, as Galatians 4 says. He kept it perfectly. He did that not just for himself, but for us who believe in him. 
He redeemed us from the curse of the law so that we might receive adoption as sons. And this saving work of Christ makes us sons of the King, the Lord God Almighty. Apart from anything we have done, despite the sin that we have committed, as sons of God, the King, we share in His eternal inheritance. And so living with a kingdom focus means focusing, first of all, on this salvation from the Lord. That brings us to our second point. Now, we need that focus, focusing on the salvation we have from God in Christ. We will never properly live for God if we don't understand that salvation. On the other hand, understanding this and believing it steadfastly will spur us on to serve the King who has saved us by His grace. And one reason why believing this gospel gives us the power to live for God is the work of the Holy Spirit. And you see that in Simeon from our text. Verse 25 calls him uh, someone who is waiting for the consolation of Israel, and the Holy Spirit was upon him. Verse 26, it was revealed to him by the Holy Spirit that he would not see death before he had seen the Lord's Christ. Verse 27, he came in the Spirit into the temple. Right? The Spirit, the Spirit, the Spirit. The Holy Spirit was the source of his life. The Spirit gave him a focus on the kingdom of God. This is the person, the, the reason why he could be described as someone who is righteous and devout, the work of the Spirit in his life. It's the same thing for us. We can only live this way in service to the King by the power of the Holy Spirit. The good news is that every believer has the Holy Spirit. This is something Galatians 4 also teaches us. I'll read from there again. God's Son was born of a woman, born under the law to redeem those who were under the law, So that we might receive adoption as sons, and because you are sons, God has sent the Spirit of His Son into our hearts, crying, Abba, Father. We are sons of God through faith in Jesus Christ, and so we have the Spirit of Sonship. And as those given the Holy Spirit, Let us pray that he would empower us more and more to live for the king also in the coming year. He will give us that kingdom focus we need. And what does that look like specifically? What does that living with that kingdom focus look like in the day-to-day life? Well, think of for a moment of the parable Jesus told in Luke 13 describing the kingdom of God. He said, To what shall I compare the kingdom of God? It is like leaven or yeast that a woman took and hid in three measures of flour until the entire lump of dough was leavened. What's he teaching us? It's the kingdom of God and service to God is like that. It infuses everything we do in life. Just as yeast is worked through an entire lump of dough. Look at how this is on display in the lives of the people of our text. Think of Joseph and Mary at the beginning, 
They were committed to following God's law regarding children and God's covenant. They received the gift of a child from the Lord. Yes, their Lord, uh, the Lord Jesus. But they were still devoted to raising that child to God's glory according to God's word. It's clear they knew the law of God. They knew God's covenant and their obligations. And they were committed to following it. You know, if they were asked at Jesus' circumcision, do you promise as father and mother to instruct your child according to God's word? to the utmost of your power, they would respond with a hearty yes. That's our focus. That's our goal. That's our desire. May that be ours too, us of, we who are parents among us. Raise our children according to God's covenant. Look at the life of Simeon. Our text describes him as righteous and devout. And yes, the righteousness we need to stand before God's throne is through Jesus Christ alone. But as those justified by God's grace, we aim to live a righteous life more and more. And by God's grace, this this described Simeon's life more and more. In his heart. He was devoted to serving the Lord in all things. Listen to how he describes his relationship to God in verse 29. Lord, now you are letting your servant depart in peace. But a more literal translation would be as follows. Master, now you are releasing your slave in peace. That's how he viewed God, as his king, as his master, the one he was serving with his entire life. He sees himself as a bondservant of the Lord whose job it is to serve God in all things. And when his task on earth was complete, he viewed it as being released from a debt of service. It's like he's receiving honorable discharge from the military. And he would have said what Jesus told us to say when we have done everything commanded of us. We are unworthy servants. We have only done our duty. Look at his reaction to seeing the Lord Jesus. This shows us his focus in life. It gave him such relief and joy to, to see the Savior He took the child in his arms, he blessed God, saying, Master, now you're releasing your servant in peace according to your word, for my eyes have seen your salvation. It's what gave him a sense of fulfillment and purpose. This was the number one thing in his life. He lived as someone described in, as those people described in Hebrews 11, someone who lived by faith. And right at the end of his life, his longing eyes were blessed. His faith became sight. He was now ready to die. Then there's the prophetess Anna. The kingdom of God was obviously her focus in life too. 
She was a widow for many years. She was not alone. She had the Lord in her life. Or to put it more accurately, the Lord had her. It says she did not depart from the temple, worshiping with fasting and prayer night and day. Certainly the words of Psalm 27 were on her heart. One thing have I asked of the Lord, that will I seek after, that I may dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of my life, to gaze upon the beauty of the Lord and to inquire in his temple. Or think of the words of Psalm 84 described her attitude. One day in your courts, O Lord, is better than a thousand elsewhere. I would rather be a doorkeeper in the house of my God than dwell in the tents of wickedness. You know, she lived now and was part of our church. She would make it her aim to be here every Sunday as much as she could. Choose to skip church, forget about it. She would be here. And when she saw the baby Jesus, probably heard Simeon's words about him, she needed to speak to others about the Lord. Hey, everyone, this is a Savior we've been waiting for. Come and see. Now, again, we also are to aim to live with the kingdom focus. Again, it must be stressed we don't do this because we're in a competition with other people or these people here in our text. But as those redeemed by Jesus Christ still forms a good pattern to follow, a pattern of service to the King. And so the kingdom of God shapes everything we do, whether it's how we go about our daily work. What kind of goals we have in life. What kind of spouse I might look for. How I spend my money. What kind of entertainment choices I make. And it goes on and on. You see, we can easily slip into a mode of living where life is all about us. Or perhaps if it's not all about us, our goals and desires for life still form the main focus. Now, what does a life lived without a kingdom focus look like? Well, it can be one that's entirely corrupt and filled with sin, but it doesn't have to. But it will become self-centered. We can live a, a lifestyle where the kingdom of God becomes more of an afterthought or simply a sideshow to our own lives and what we want to get out of life. We might focus on building our own career, which is great, but it's all to reach my own goals in life. We might work to gain money, which we ought to do, but it's all about spending it on me and my kingdom and my desires. We might desire to get into a relationship, which is all well and good, but without a thought to God and His kingdom and His purposes. We might spend lots of energy raising a family, as we ought to if we are in that state of life, but it can become all for my own personal fulfillment. And when this becomes our mode of living, the relationship between God and us is flipped on its head. 
You see, in this way of living, we become king or queen, and God becomes the servant who is there to fulfill all my plans and goals and dreams. We need to understand that's backwards. The right way to see life is that God is the king. We are his servants. And yes, we do all those regular activities. We may do them to the glory of God. But is that what shapes us as we do them? Are we serving the Lord in all things? We think also what guides how we spend our Lord's Day each Sunday. Are you committed to joining with other believers, worshiping your God in this place? You know, I, I know that the last number of months has seen a lot of sickness come through our ranks. And there are legitimate reasons to miss services. I think particularly of some of the elderly members among us. But there are also times when I come up here on a Sunday and I wonder to myself, well, where is everyone? Why are they not here? Do we have that same attitude that Anna had? She wanted to be with God's people, worshiping the Lord. And that too is part of living with a kingdom focus. Let me assure you that this will provide the greatest fulfillment in life also, living for the King of Kings. And if you live this way, at the end of your life, you'll look back and know that it was a life lived well. You know, don't make the mistake of living for self. It's, it's an empty way of life. You know, as I was writing the sermon, actually, I, I went to the Transcona, uh, Transcona Public Library, which is just up the road on Plessy's. It was a nice workspace with lots of light. I, in fact, I saw some of you while I was there. Um, while I was taking a small break, I decided to walk down the aisles, scan the books on the shelves. There was one particular book, which was quite thick, that really caught my eye. The title of that book was this, 1001 TV Shows to Watch Before You Die. I just shook my head. Really? That's how people live their lives? That's their bucket list, 1,001 TV shows to watch before I die? How empty. No one, and I mean no one, on their deathbed is going to say, yes, I did it. I watched all those TV shows. I'm ready to die in peace now. It's not going to happen. Love it. Live for the King of Kings. Live by faith as those people of Hebrews 11 live by faith. As people like Simeon and Anna. Then one day our faith will become sight. We will enter God's eternal rest in His glorious kingdom. Amen.